Shiggity shiggity schwa. Welcome to a special episode of Cyburns and Cigarettes, a Lupin the Third podcast. A show about a monkey-faced thief, his friends, and their many adventures. Ordinarily, we would be covering all the animated and live-action entries in the Lupin the Third franchise, but not today. Instead, we are pretending that you're someone unfamiliar with this whole Lupin thing, and we're going to give you everything you need to get going. This is our Lupin the Third starter kit. That's right, our, because... With us today, we have The Essential Drew. What up? Don't leave home without Natalie. Sup? You can't call yourself a fan without having seen Emma. True. Hello. <laughs> and you never forget your first time. Me, the amazing Chris Godby. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's thematically appropriate, if in other ways. So, speaking of, let's kick things off by saying what our first times were. Mine was with this goth chick I met on Tinder. No, wait, wrong first time. <laughs> <laughs> Too much. <laughs> you know, uh, I first heard of Lupin III on a Yu Yu Hakusho VHS I bought when I was 12. There was a trailer for Twilight Gemini on it, and I thought it looked kind of neat. I didn't think much of it until I was watching Cartoon Network's Adult Swim a few days later, and I caught an ad for their broadcast of Part 2. On January 31st, 2003, I saw my first episode. I left my mind in San Francisco, but I actually didn't care too much for what I saw. However, I thought it had potential, so I kept watching, and I soon fell in love with it. All right, how about you guys? Well, let's see. My first time, um, it depends on what what you call it, because there's like, you know, there's like... There's like the V virginity. There's your mouth virginity. Oh, wait, we're talking about something else. Um, <laughs> um, sorry, I thought I, I, I keep that train rolling. No, I'm terrible. Anyways, um, like I mentioned back in 2020, my first time with Lupin happened to be because I was a 12, 13-year-old kid who was very much obsessed with like James Bond, Where on Earth is Carmen Sandiego, um, Kim Possible, shows that, you know, like, dealt with people traveling around the world and doing shenanigans. I also really like stories of found family. It's probably why I really love the golden girls as much as I do. Um, anyways, um, I just remember uh, scrolling through adult swim um, late at night and the show happened to come up, come on and it had like a really cool, catchy theme song had really funny lines. They were traveling around the world. They were a sense of found family and the dub was hilarious. And I think my first episode might have been the Brazil episode, which is the second episode of part two. So after that, I just got hooked, watched every episode of on Adult Swim until I had to buy the DVDs and then, you know, look for whatever else they had. And boy, is there a lot. And I've made friendships and I've traveled thanks to Lupin. The end for now. <laughs> Drew, what about you? Uh, so my first experience with Lupin was just kind of a chance encounter because it was one day after a morning class I had in college. I just drove over to the Best Buy that was about like 10 minutes away. I, I, I had the full intention of like, I'm going to get like a Studio Ghibli movie because I had not actually seen one yet. So I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to get something Ghibli, something anime. I don't know. Like, I'm just going to go browsing. And at that Best Buy, they had one copy of the castle of Cagliostro on blu-ray that like the, the slip cover was a little banged up but you know what i was like this is the last one this one looks cool and i had vaguely remembered going to a uh a local retro game shop and seeing a what i now know is the cover of treasure of the sorcerer king 
I don't know why that always stuck with me because there was a little sticker on it that says like, you know, I see it on Cartoon Network and I was like, huh, that's interesting. So, <laughs> and that, that was like a few years beforehand, but that little thing was in the back of my mind. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to pick up this one and immediately fell in love with it because uh, it had reminded me as a kid, I had a VHS tape that had two episodes of Sherlock Hound on it, which I now know are two episodes that were directed by Hayao Miyazaki, which, you know, the connection there. All but roads also, lead back to Miyazaki. <laughs> it's true. Or all, all roads lead back to Lupin at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But it had that similar aesthetic. So the whole movie just had this really kind of warm blanket, kind of cozy. It reminded me of, you know, the Sherlock Hound episodes you used to watch as a kid. And also just you immediately fall in love with those characters. But what really hooked me, if I'm going to be 100% honest, is me looking up, going on YouTube and watching the first OP from part two and hearing that version of the theme song with that opening, and I was like, all right, I got to see more of this. Still the best version. And that was, oh, 100%. And that's pretty much what led me to where I am today, because after that, um, it was kind of like a, I mean, it's not even a one-two punch, it was like a one, two, three, four, five, six punch, because it's like, oh, Cagliostro's fun, these openings are fun, immediately find TV specials, these TV specials are fun, and then I caught the simulcast of part four, and hey, part four is fun, and Look at look at this now. Now I'm 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 hosting a podcast about a monkey face thief. So his friends are many adventures. Yeah, <laughs> his friends say the same. Hey, I'm not hosting today. So that's, that's not my job today. He's literally he, you guys can't see him, but he's literally like sitting back on a hammock with a coconut in his hand, just sipping away like <laughs> I don't gotta do shit right now. <laughs> I had to edit episodes where he talked about part six on a weekly basis. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's checked out. <laughs> like, I'm on vacation. <laughs> so Emma, how about yourself? Um, so I do remember catching a part two when it was airing in 2003 2002-2003 because I would sneak into my game room uh, in my house in Oklahoma and stay up way too late and watching Adult Swim um, as like a 10 year old and shouldn't have been doing that Um, with like the Brack Show uh, Space Ghost, Coast to Coast stuff like that so I, I, I remember catching it because I do remember the red jacket uh, obviously I forget which episode I saw so didn't really think much of it at the time and then fast forward years and years later um, I'm watching on the couch I'm watching TV with my now ex-husband and there was a commercial for part four for Toonami uh, before it was starting to air. And I was like, man, that show's been around for forever. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I decided to watch a few episodes of part four. Um, I was like, okay, I really did this. Unfortunately, it was the Italian soundtrack. So I actually didn't get to experience the actual part four soundtrack till like much later, unfortunately. But after that, I, I hopped on Crunchyroll and I started watching all of it. I watched like a part two, like front to back. And at that same time, I had just found out that I was being laid off from my job. So in a, like a way, it like became a definite sense of comfort. Like Drew said, like a warm blanket 
uh, type feeling. So really those were my entries into it. And through there, I joined a Discord group, the Lupin the Third Gang. Uh, I met a lot of people, made lots of friendships. Um, also really reignited my creative streak. Started writing, started drawing again, cosplaying a lot, and also being a co-host on this podcast. So it's been about probably 20 years in the making. It just took a little while uh, for me to really come around to it, and very grateful that I did. Wonderful. So before we begin with our list, full disclosure, this episode was inspired by a monthly segment of the Stone Age Gamer podcast, so I can't take credit for the idea, even if we're doing it a bit differently. Just thought I'd complain about that. So anyway, the idea here is that we've come together to suggest movies, individual episodes, and maybe some specials or OVAs that we think are a good place for a newcomer to Lupin the Third. Keep in mind, we're not talking about our favorite entries or what we think are the highest points of the franchise, just what we think are good places to start. So I'll go first. And let's go ahead and get this one out of the way. But I recommend the 1978 movie Mystery of Mamo. Lupin has been arrested and executed, except he wasn't. Lupin's still alive, is stealing the Philosopher's Stone for Fujiko. But who is Mamo, and what sinister plot does he have planned for the world? This is my go-to thing for introducing someone to Lupin III. And I pass around my old Genion DVD to various friends and co-workers ever since I got it. It's a big, epic story with wonderfully cartoony art direction, post-Watergate political satire, crazy car chases, bit of a dark, sexy edge to it, an awesome villain, and it's legitimately <laughs> funny. But the main reason I'm putting it on here is because of the way the main cast is characterized. Lupin himself is a genius thief and an immature horndog with some interesting philosophical ideas about mortality and identity. Fujiko is also a master criminal, playing every side against each other to her own benefit, and we love her for it. Jigen and Goemon are, Lup- are introduced as Lupin's loyal accomplices, whose loyalty is put to the test, and Zenigata has never been more determined to put Lupin behind bars. This movie has the characters distilled to their purest essence. This is what they're like in their natural habitat, so to speak, capturing the tone and style of Monkey Punch's original manga, and thus it's a perfect introduction to the franchise. Also, it's just a, it's just a damn good time. Lots of great action, fun mm-hmm. animation, wild mm-hmm. story, Uchiko's boobs, and again, it's really funny. Indeed. <laughs> I agree. Well, I guess you can check off one of those from my list because that's definitely on my... Um, I mean, where I come from, from my own, like, how to get somebody into the franchise, I kind of compare Lupin to trying to get people into Lupin to trying to get people into something else I love. And for once, it's not opera. But it's opera adjacent. It's Bollywood films. Hear me out. Hear me out. Because like (laughs) when people think of like Bollywood films, they think of, you know, all the color, all the dancing, all the music, all the musical numbers. But I like to tell people that Bollywood is way more than that. And I always tell people if you're going to get into Bollywood, my biggest question for you is can you handle the long like really long i'm talking before everybody got used to like lord of the rings and um mcu film timeline of movies (laughs) like can you handle that long of a film and more importantly can you handle the melodrama in that case definitely watch kohonaho anyways but um with lupon my question to anybody who wants to get into lupon it's very much like 
what do you want to start off with? Do you want cutesy, adorable Lupin or do you want you're probably on acid because it's the seventies and it's going to slap you in the face with how seventies it is seventies Lupin. And if your answer is the latter, then here's mystery of Mamo. Go on. Here's some money. Go watch mystery of Mamo. <laughs> <laughs> because it's very, very seventies. Like, sorry, oh, I love yeah. out there, but like, you know, Lupin the third, when I think of Lupin, it is very seventies. It's a very seventies mm. yeah. um, anime and mystery of Mamo just, perfectly encapsulates very much not just the time that it was made in but also like just a lot it, it pulls influence from a lot of things that were going on in the times like not just you know post america america post watergate but also like having a direct Im- influence from um phantom of the paradise with mamo in it and oh, yeah. yeah you never made a connection before yeah you're, you're, you're totally yeah, right i, I, I I forgot his name. Paul Williams? Yes. Yeah, Paul Williams. Paul Williams. The best penguin. And like, yeah. <laughs> and honestly, um, probably one of my favorite adaptations of um, of Phantom of the Opera, because Phantom of the Paradise is a Phantom of the Opera story, and it's probably one of my favorite adaptations of, of Poto um, in pop culture. <laughs> I like how you call that um, it's the gang in their natural habitat, because mm-hmm. it really mm-hmm. is. Like a perfect distillation of who the Lupine gang are at their, like at their very core. Right. It's like right there in Mamo. Yeah. And it's honestly, apart from the pilot film, it's, I, I think the most like palatable version for like a, a like a, a wider audience of like the tone of Monkey Punch's manga. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it really captures it really well. It's got that. It's mean. In yeah. some places, but oh, not yeah. like mean in a way that's insufferable. All, all these characters are assholes to each other, and it's great. They are, yeah. But it's also it's it's that really it's that thing I love about Lupin, where like they're all kind of pricks, but they've <laughs> always got each other's backs at the end of the day. Because even there's even that line with like that Jigen says, or mm-hmm. I, I forgot, I, I don't have it on hand immediately, but it's like when they're on the boat going to Howard Lockwood's island. He's, it's pretty much it's essentially like you know as much as we bitch about him we're going to save him so like you know there's that <laughs> See, found well, family. i'll be damned if anyone's going to kill lupon except for me yeah i i think jigan's <laughs> comment though is a little masochistic though which one <laughs> you know like we're going to go save him like <laughs> so uh, <laughs> i guess <laughs> We're going to hurt ourselves by doing this. (laughs) Yeah, like, Mamo is definitely my favorite movie. I'm not sure if it would be my first choice to show it to somebody. Uh, Especially, well, it depends on their level of anime watching. Mm. I'd have to, like, feel them out, really, before suggesting it. Like, if it was just, like, a newcomer, just in general, no. Ah, throw him in head first. No, <laughs> hold your nose. Yeah. And and also like the movie. I know I've been uh, you know mocked for saying this kind of stuff before, but you know, old school Lupin the Third doesn't really feel very anime anyway. You know, you yeah, know, that's true. And I, and I think that's especially true for Mystery of Mama. Like it feels very Western. It's like you can definitely see mm-hmm. uh, you know the influence of. Uh, well, actually, I take it back. I mean, this almost feels like it could be. Like a Ralph Bakshi film, maybe, and like as far as like the tone goes, okay. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I can see that. Yeah, oh, totally. Well, one thing I will add with Mamo, it's like, um, in terms of like anime history, again, I always mention, I always mention her, but my roommate slash best friend Maria, who doesn't really watch a lot of Lupin, but is very much into anime. I try to like make her watch almost anything and everything if, you know, she's down with it. And if time allots, my introduction with her was definitely Cagliostro, but like, when we were at Fanime in 2019, when I saw that they were showing um, Mystery of Mama, I was like, would you like to watch this adaptation of Lupin? Because it's, you know, it's very 70s. It was, you know, a big deal in Japan. Come on, let, let's just go watch it. She's like, okay. And she wasn't like put off with anything. She just had a lot more questions. And it's very much that whole like Lupin and their like over the top plots that make no sense in reality, but yet it's so cool because it's Lupin. Um, But no, we were just sitting there watching most of it. The audience and I treated it very much like watching Rocky Horror because there was like a lot of commentary because if you, if you got a feel for the audience, there was just so much confusion and, and there were legit parts that just felt very pornographic. (laughs) Like, I don't remember if it was me or it was someone else. I'm pretty sure it was me, but there were times where I was yelling out, is this the part where Ron Jeremy comes out? Which looking back at it now, that was very terrible but <laughs> yeah that's not a reference that's aged well <laughs> yeah it, it, it did not it did not this is 2019 <laughs> i do apologize <laughs> <laughs> all right so who's next i think we i think we've said enough about this movie if you haven't watched it go watch it indeed you know take go a look watch mystery mamo it's the best but i'm not sure if it's the entry point Got gotta really ask the person. Like, are are you are you down with over the top plot, and are you more importantly down with seventies acid trip? If you are, <laughs> let's do this, kiddo. That's just me. I'm not sure if it's the best entry point, but let me tell you what movie I think is the best okay, entry point, and that is Lupin the Third, the first. Agreed. Chris, you did a wonderful synopsis of uh, Mamo. I don't have that written. <laughs> I, 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 I wrote like notes of how, how I thought of it. To me, I felt that the animation was stunning. On par, if not better, than Disney Pixar. Uh, in so many ways, animation-wise. And it's true to Lupin form, mm-hmm. uh, which I know a lot of uh, people were hesitant about the CG style because of that reason. Actually, I thought it translated incredibly well. They made them mm. look yeah. in- very rubbery, um, which I know, like, anime sometimes doesn't always translate well to CG. Not even just Lupin. That just goes in general. Looking at you, Harlock. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I, feel like I feel like interjecting real quick here, but... None of us have ever worked for IGN, so we don't. So we didn't have a problem with the animation being too expressive. Just saying. Yeah. Right. Oh right. God. Oh my God. <laughs> it's too expressive. <laughs> it's, like, it's like this animated movie is animated. How dare they? Ah, shut up. I, it kind of goes in a way with this movie. How I felt like with my um saying with goes back to around with what I was saying with Mamo. Uh, it's true to Lupin form while not having a strictly like anime feeling. So it might be better that's not into anime. Uh, and I say that because I've shown this and have to friends that are not in a- into anime at all. I actually went to the dub premiere in Indiana with my best friend, Allie, who hates anime. 
which she just went to appease me. And she actually very much enjoyed it. Like she was smoking a cigarette outside of my car. And like, she was like, I actually liked that. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, you did. Uh, her favorite was Jigen. That was a very um, interesting mental image, but I love it. <laughs> her, her favorite was Jigen, which mm. um, checked out too. So the story is basic. A lot of people like had that. It was very like basic Lupin. Uh, takes place in World War II, uh, which happens a lot with Lupin. Uh, like, like kind of like World War Two esque uh, background with like Hitler and stuff. Post, well, post World War Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that, just following that era. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That like Part Two did, but it's also not all that out there since that has been an active conspiracy theory mm-hmm. about Hitler. So. I didn't like it wasn't too far out of a story albeit basic kind of like had the same formula as Lupin movie does but I thought it was just that much less complex uh and less weird uh so I think it was just a lot easier of an entry movie wise to get into and it's not Kelly Ostro so <laughs> that is why Lupin the third the first I feel is a great starter movie and I couldn't agree with you more. I, I mentioned when I did my review with Guillaume that I, I joked and I said, Castle Cagliostro, who is she? I don't know her. Like, <laughs> wow. Once this film came out, mainly because I do think that it is a really good entry point, especially towards a more modern, I don't say modern, but towards a more younger audience. Like I'm talking like post-millennials gen yeah. mm-hmm. what, what what do we call them gen z's gen x's i don't know i'm out of the loop but like it's zoomers well all i'm saying here is like a lot of the kids that essentially grew up with like shrek being their first big cgi film and then you know because ev- mostly everything is cgi nowadays I, I can't recall anything that is just being heavily done i i i, I sound like a purist or I sound like an asshole, but I really do miss like classic 2D animation. Mm. But um, a lot of films are just CGI now. And at first, I admit, I was hesitant with Lupin being CGI, but I meant what I said in my review. This is probably one of the better adaptations that we will get of a live action film for Lupin than the 2014 um, mm-hmm. um, Kitamura film. But in terms of what it what it has Lupin wise, it has it's it, it's very formulaic Lupin. It has the girl of the week, you know, the found family, the out the really out there um, plot, especially with um, the MacGuffin of the story, and of course it has Nazis, <laughs> which uh, Lupin does seem to have a lot of. But you know, if that doesn't if that really isn't a bother for you, especially because Nazis lose in this one, like they always do. Oh yeah. Um, then yeah, I, I, I do I do agree that this is probably like my number one entry point. Um, so thank you, Emma, for bringing that up. Yeah, it was it was definitely something I considered for my list as well. But I've I've had more luck introducing people to by mystery of Mama. But it's but yeah, it, it's definitely worthy of inclusion in this little kit we're putting together. And I commend you for it, honestly. I'm not about to push somebody into the deep end. Okay. <laughs> Chris apparently is. Both are valid approaches. Well again, well, again, my thing is more like with the person, it's really filling out per taste. Yeah. Do you mm-hmm. want, 
do you want CGI and Nazis or do you want 70s acid trip? <laughs> I mean, yeah. CGI and Nazis would be a good name for a punk band, let me just say. What's <laughs> <laughs> up, Toronto? We are CGI and Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing I like about the first that I think it has well I don't know if I'm going to say if it has overcast of Cagliostro but like even though they may not get like a ton to do there are individual moments where every single member of the gang gets a standout scene if not multiple standout scenes where you just you you get their whole deal encapsulated in the movie because you have you know Zenigata's eternal chase Lupin going on defending Zantetsukim with his life, no matter what. Even though it was called Ryusei in the film, but yeah. <laughs> well, they, 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 they reference it being like a Ryusei blade, oh, okay, okay, okay. but then does call it the Zantetsukim when he's re- re- referring to it. But um, it is like story-wise, no different from like a standard TV special, mm-hmm. but it's a really good TV special told in the absolute like it's it's kind of like they took that formula and told it in the best possible way they can so it's kind of like the greatest lupon tv special (laughs) that exists but it's also a kick-ass movie at the same time if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. i don't know i've seen that complaint where people are like you know it's just like a tv special like yeah but this is like a tv special and it's told with like gorgeous cgi animation you're gonna you know you gonna spit in this nice salad? What's wrong with you? They also spit in theaters like a movie, so I don't know. <laughs> Again, they they very much um, they put more emphasis on the spectacle, which was mm. the animation, than they did the story. Mm-hmm. And if you really, and if you're very much like bitching about that, then go watch a James Cameron film where he can actually juggle spectacle and story, but mm-hmm. not Avatar. But other than that, you know, like. Stop complaining. Eat, eat the eat the damn salad and stop spitting in it. The end. Like seriously, right in front of my salad. <laughs> Look at how hot this Jigen is. Can you complain? Yes. Like, come on. They made everybody so hot. It's stupid. Like I'm not even a Zenigata stan, and I and I would fuck CGI Zenigata. Like I'm sorry, that's explicit, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she said it's not me. It's, it's all right. We have an explicit tag, you know, for a reason. That's what it's there for. Fuck Mary Kill. I would not kill anybody. I would just fuck all of them. All <laughs> of them. Kill Gerard. Huh? Yeah, then again, kill Gerard, but then again, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, already died. Right. Who's gonna? I could go. Um, <laughs> this this is probably gonna be a um, a Natalie. No shit. You. you we already knew you were going to say this. Lupin the Third, First Contact. Come on. Yeah. I, it's one of the best television specials of all time. Do not at me. It, it is very much formulaic. It's a Lupin story that emphasizes on the Lupin gang. Um, we've already talked about this when we did the dub episode. You know, the plot is essentially um, a reporter wants to find out the true details of how the Lupin the Third gang came to be. So she talks to Jigen about it and Jigen tells her the story and the story goes, Lupin is trying to steal the clam of Hermes from Galvez, a notorious mobster. But along the way, he has to fight Galvez's enforcer, Jigen. But also here comes this beautiful woman, Fujiko, and her boyfriend, Brad, who are also after it. And suddenly here comes a samurai, Goemon, who also wants the clam of Hermes. And shenanigans ensue. 
that's the best that's the best way i could i could tell that plot however is the story true or is it not but yeah i do think this is a good introduction i don't think i have introduced anybody to lupon via this but i will say to the two people that i've slowly gotten into lupon and and into lupon as in like in, you know interested not like fan into Lupin. Maria watched it. She liked it. My ex watched it. He liked it. Yeah. Like it, it is, I do think it is a really good introduction, not just because of the emphasis on the Lupin gang itself, but also because it really does open up that portal of the, of the no sense of continuity Lupin, because mm. as you're watching it, you're thinking, is this really how they got together? And if you're a Lupin historian or a Lupin fan, you know, like there's been so many different ad um, adaptations of a first meeting that you're like, this this cannot be official until you get to that ending that very much, you know, the I don't want to say a deus ex machina, but very much the unreliable narrator part of the ending. And then you're just like, oh, that opens up the possibilities. So... So uh, I'll add to this. Uh, this was on my list too. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so definitely agree with everything that you said, uh, Natalie. Um, mm -hmm. Also, that's the newest dub entry to Lupin, as referenced yeah. in our uh, last podcast episode. But both the sub and the dub are solid, with the dub probably being one of the best so far. Mm. Interesting story of how the gangs meet quote unquote, mm -hmm. um, and really delves into Lupin's relationships with the characters, especially G and uh, yeah. the most. But also like Fujiko too is definitely a big part of it. Uh, but I would say like his relationship with Jigen is like really at the forefront. It's funny. Uh, I like the animation while it could be stiff at times. I think for the most part, it's actually like very strong. Again, like it's just so enjoyable of a watch it, it is definitely a comfort special for me um so i also agree with this one being an mm -hmm. excellent starter and it's on my list too so i i really like how you brought that up natalie and that's that is like a brilliant choice to start someone off with because because of that ending where it's mm -hmm. like the core thesis being like no, no 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 it's not about the canon it's about the hijinks yeah all right that, 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 that's such like an excellent way to like to set the stage for someone like diving into the franchise where it's like don't get don't get caught up in the weeds of continuity when you, when you're watching Lupin it's time to just have fun exactly if anything like with what you're mentioning there Drew it, it does very much remind me in, in the sense that like one of the other things that I enjoy about it that really does encapsulate what Lupin is about is it is the hijinks mm -hmm. and the style of the hijinks. You know, when I think of like Lupin, where it came from, from the manga and what, what inspired Monkey Punch to create Lupin? What were his direct inspirations? You know, Mark Drucker and Mad Magazine and like Looney Tunes, uh, Tom and Jerry, because the manga itself had a lot of cartoonish gags and first contact has it as well like I, I i can't recall off the top of my head who wrote um who was the main you know the main runner writer for first contact but whomever it was what they really did focus on was not just you know the found family aspect no continuity and the interactions with the characters but also the classic lupon hijinks the classic cartoony stuff like oh the safe is safe and you know <laughs> putting on the disguises and Obviously, my favorite gag of like Galvez going to shoot Lupin, but the 
but instead of it being a bullet, it's a um, a boxing glove punching him in the face. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. You got anything, Drew? All right. So I do. I do apologize in advance. I may have overwritten the segment with my choices here, but I, I I've got a little. Uh, there's a method to my madness in the uh, the choices I picked here this evening. So for my list, I'll be focusing on the medium in which the Lupin series has been most prolific, episodic television. Over 300 episodes of Lupin have aired across a 51-year span, and the series is still going strong. All five of my choices represent what I believe to be quintessential elements of the Lupin the Third, Lupin the Third at its core. Elaborate heists, zany slapstick, lively animation... Rip-roaring adventure, all anchored by four distinct, lovable outlaws and one determined policeman. So each of the episodes I picked showcase the best of what the Lupin franchise has to offer. And we'll get, I personally think, we'll get any newcomer on board for further adventures with the Mischievous Gang. Now, to start off, when you mention the name Hayao Miyazaki in relation to the Lupin series, most people are going to immediately think of the Castle of Cagliostro, and understandably so. Despite that being, I think there is one of Miyazaki's entries that serves as a better gateway into the world of Lupin III. Don't say it. In fact, I think the best starting point is a joint effort between Miyazaki and his future partner in Ghibli, Isao Takahata. Nice. My first pick is episode 23 of part one, The Big Golden Showdown. Now, it might seem like an odd choice for me to choose the final episode of the first Lupin TV series, but... If you ask me, the grand finale of part one serves as a much better introduction to the Lupin gang than its first episode. I'd even go as far as to call it the quintessential Lupin episode, and I stand by that. Live your truth, King. <laughs> Lupin, Jigen, Fujiko, and Goemon set their sights on a recently discovered stash of gold, while Zinigata plots a last-ditch effort to put the gang behind bars once and for all. All of what makes Lupin great is packed into this 23-minute roller coaster. Within the opening minutes, a brief but beautifully animated and comedic car chase sets up the stage for an escalating game of one-upmanship between the Lupin gang and Zenigata. In fact, there's some genuinely interesting character work between Lupin and Zenigata hidden amongst all the hijinks. I mean, you truly get the sense that it isn't just about the money for Lupin, nor is it just about the arrest for Zenigata. It's all about the thrill of the chase and the eternal chase that this episode beautifully encapsulates. So that's my first pick. Can I just say that that is probably like my favorite episode of part one. And I'm not, yeah. yeah and I'm not even, I'm not even a part one fan. Like I know like that's blasphemy in the Lupin community, but part one is not really like something I like to go back to unless it's dubbed in Spanish because it, it just hits differently dubbed in Spanish, especially that theme song. Um, but this is probably my favorite episode and I have yet to watch it dubbed because I've just been so busy, but oh my God, like I, I do have an episode on my list, but it's not that one. Ooh, so alrighty. good on you, Drew. Good on you. Yeah. Excellent choice. Um, yes. Definitely. Uh, like agree with a lot of like everything that you said. Again, I'm not sure if it would be, the episode, I, like, it's definitely not the episodes on my list, but mm-hmm. uh, as far as, like, part one goes, for sure. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, because, like, the, the whole thing with my pick is I, I, I wanted to pick episodes where you get the entire gang together, which, like, you know, sometimes with some episodes, it's just, like, Fujiko and, and Lupin. Some episodes, most of the time, 
it's just Lupin, Jigen, Goemon for like a large amount, a number of episodes. But I wanted to focus it on ones where like the whole gang is featured and you just like you get them in top form. Mm-hmm. And like as far as part one goes, there's a lot of really great part one episodes and ones I also would have picked. But this one's just like it is the quintessential like the Lupin gang is going to steal something and Zendigata is coming after him. It's Lupin kind of like in its purest form. Yeah. And like, there is like a little bit of a sense of finality to the episode, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's also very open-ended. Yeah. Because, you know, that, that was also one reason why I picked it is because that final shot. Cause like, yeah. if I were to recommend it to someone, that final shot sets up the entire future of the franchise. Yeah. Next 45 so, years. Yeah. So yeah, that's mine. Right, so uh, next up for me is also a part one episode. One chance for a prison break. A high sad dam goes wrong. Lupin gets thrown into the pen with his execution date being one year away. I've heard this one described as being what the first episode of part one should have been. Honestly, I think it's true. <laughs> it's, based on, it's based on the monkey punch story. So that's automatically some points in his favor. It's actually based on two. Which itself was inspired by an early Arsene Lupin short story. And the plot from the manga chapter is a really interesting exercise in psychological warfare with a clever execution, no pun intended for once. <laughs> it's also worth checking out because the anime version explores the relationships between the characters, like Jigen's loyalty to Lupin, Fujiko's real motives, and it gives Denigata the first of many existential crises. It's really engaging stuff that even manages to slip in some effective humor in what would be a fairly serious episode with running gags like Fujiko's attempts to bust Lupin out and the priest that visits the cell. That, yeah, I didn't write as much for that one. It's just, <laughs> it's just so freaking good. I, I, was, I was expecting somebody put, to put this one on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, like, especially, like, anybody that mentions part one, they're going to talk about this episode for that very same reason mm-hmm. that uh, it's what part one should have started on, um, which I definitely agree. Uh, like I, I don't know why I didn't add any part one to my list. I, I really don't know why I didn't. But if I had to choose one, it probably would have been this one. Mm-hmm. Simply because uh, I, I watched the first one and then I think I skipped to this one on like a recommendation, which kind of changed that was, the thought process on it. Yeah, so. that was that was wise. Although you didn't miss yeah. out on the Cal episode, but. <laughs> I watched it later, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, no, great choice. Great choice. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess that sums it up. I was like, did I not? Watch it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not a part, again, I'm not a part one fan. And this is actually an episode I didn't like dubbed in Spanish, so that's my take. It, it's, it's kind of like an essential episode to get the whole deal between Zenigata and Lupin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is, it, it so perfectly sets up, I, I guess to work like a symbiotic relationship where like, you know, Zenigata catches Lupin and he's like, well, what now? Right. Like, <laughs> you know, existential crisis. Exactly. Yeah, it's, I mean, in, you know, I know we talked about it on the show before, but it's, it's like, there's not really a whole I can say without spoiling it. Mm-hmm. Because we are trying to avoid spoilers due to the nature of this particular episode, but you know, I've, I've always loved, you know, the ending, mm-hmm. you know, like, like the way Lupin's plan goes, goes off. It's really satisfying to see. And, you know, it's a, it was a nice little moment at the very end. And 
I also love a lot of the visual stuff they did, like the uh, like the butterfly fluttering in, on Lupin in the cell. Yeah. Okay. There's some uh, symbolism there. and Yeah, it's just great. All right, Emma, you're next. Yeah. Um, so my next one on my list was an episode as well, but it was an episode from part four. Uh, mainly because I was told when we were deciding these lists that we couldn't do an entire part. And I had to scribble <laughs> off part four in like finger, like. Uh, um, I mean, to be honest, like, you know, if I if I had allowed that, you know, my list would have been over one hundred fifty five episodes long. So, because part yeah, true, part true, part. like, and that's a very good point. However, mine wasn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> Another good point. <laughs> denied me it being I was like mm. <laughs> yeah no you can see I was writing down my list I literally like I saw the message and I was like mm. <laughs> well there goes that idea because I was trying to do like one movie one episode one special like one part and stuff and then he said that I was like well crap so the episode I did choose was I was talking to sushi and Royce, uh, we were eating lunch and I was talking, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of having some trouble. Obviously I love part four and I think it was sushi that recommended, well, why not the start of it? So I picked the wedding of Lupin third. No. Sorry, Drew. <laughs> I, I'm just going to say in advance, I have no backups. So I will just piggyback off okay. and just agree. Yeah, no, um, correct me if I'm wrong because my brain wasn't really working very well when I was writing these notes. This is part four is the first entry into the series after the woman called Fujiko Mine, right? Yes. yes. Okay. I wasn't sure. I couldn't remember if there was a special in between. But I wrote oh, Jigen's Gravestone is in between it. Yeah. Right. Really? Jigen's Gravestone and the Conan and then the, the Detective Conan crossover movie. Okay. So there yeah. was. Stuff in between. No, it's like my brain wasn't working. But so it's it's the first TV entry. Okay, yes. that's probably what I was thinking. Yeah. Um. So obviously there's that, and that was a huge deal. Uh, it is just an incredible amount of fun. It's funny. I mean, I laugh still every single time. Gene's like, "What we buy you a cappuccino?" Going <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Don't patronize me." Um. <laughs> All characters are displayed uh, with new additions, Rebecca and Robson, who are great. I think they're some of the best, if not the best, one-off, like, additional characters added to the series, especially Rebecca. And I, I, I just love all of it from start to finish. And it really sets the feel up for part four, um, as a whole, uh, it really like, it, like Rebecca is shown to just be this fun loving girl, but at the end in the plane, like she is, looks like forlorn. Uh, so that also sets up for, uh, her future in the series as well. I just love this episode. Like I said, like part four was me getting back into the series from what I saw it in 2003. And again, we weren't allowed to include parts, so I had to pick one, something from part four. So why not the beginning? That's uh, such a good choice, too. You would say that, wouldn't you, Drew? <laughs> yes, I would. Um, I had caught part four during its simulcast on Crunchyroll. 
you know, started from the beginning and caught up with it. Cause I think it was like about halfway through. And I really, really loved that first episode when I first saw it, but it's one I've only come to appreciate even more and more as I've watched like almost all the franchise now, because I had mm-hmm. it in the notes I wrote here that, you know, it's an awkward episode. It combines many elements from, uh, kind of the way I have my list structured. It kind of combines all the elements from other episodes I have on my list, but like it, it, it's, it's, it's the animation, the action, the attention to detail and like just Lupin gang written pitch perfectly. It, it updates all the best parts and the most enduring things about Lupin to the modern day kind of perfectly. And not like, I, I feel like part five always gets credit and it should because it like really, it features like, you know, the Lupin gang struggling with modern tech. But for, but part four is a good like it's a nice transfer of all the best of about Lupin to the modern day, and yeah. the modern day not even within like the series itself, modern day within like you know the way the quality of like animation on TV now is. I think I don't want to disparage the animation of the older shows, but it looks really fucking good. Right, is what right. I'm trying to get at, and and that, and that episode has such a great hook too. Yes, you know Lupin III is getting married. It's like. That'll, you know, that'll draw you in. Yeah, that'll capture your attention. Right. And he's wearing an all-white suit, which at mm-hmm. a wedding is like, mm. <laughs> It'll definitely capture your attention, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it also, like, despite it being, like, a modern-day thing, it just feels timeless. Yeah. Like, like it's that timeless Lupin quality that is one of the biggest reasons why I love this series. Like, it's it's dated, but it's timeless, and that 100% makes sense when you watch a lot of Lupin. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I will admit, I have like, well, when I first watched part four, because I was in my, what I call my Lupin hibernation, I really, I still followed it, but I really wasn't into it as much as I was when I was younger. And to hear that part four was getting a dub and a release on Toonami, I was like, okay, okay, this is good. I did like that first episode. I will admit, I kind of gave up with part four after probably episode five, because and I know Emma's going to kill me, but I just really didn't vibe with Rebecca at the time. I, I had I, to like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't either. It took like a couple of watches. So well, I, that. well, I had to wait till I got the DVDs and then I binge watched it years after. And I was like, and I was getting, and I was back into Lupin. I was like, okay, yeah, I, I like her. But um, the two things I do enjoy about part four is very much, the animation style and the fact that people learned that San Marino is an independent country within Italy. I guess Italy does love little countries within themselves, but whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do like that first episode of part four. I mean, it's just astounding. It's like Lipon's getting married and it's not Fujiko. It's to a rich heiress. Oh, okay. Hijinks and Sue. So mm-hmm. I'll give you that one. <laughs> Thank you. And, and how about, the, how about the animation on that whole, uh, you know, uh, grappling hook watch chase? Yeah, it's so Man. fun. It's uh, it's it's so yeah. I mean, so much fun. It's so energetic and exciting. It's like you know, it's like you watch that. You're like, man, this we're off to a great start. Then you watch the second episode, and you're like, God, it'll, it'll get better. I, I I think about that animation in particular because there's a music video. Lupin music like AMV to my favorite Carly Rae Jepsen song "Run Away with Me," and that clip is used. And whenever I listen to that song, I get like flutters because I think also of that, and it just feels so light and airy and fun and whimsical. 
I can see it. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's funny that you mentioned that scene in particular, because I, I think of that one, that scene, whenever I hear that song. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I guess if we're going to go episodic, um, this is going to be a surprise for a lot of people, but this is only because um, I claim to be a feminist. If you're a woman and you're not a feminist, haha. But also just in general, because I love her and this is probably one of the best series ever. The first episode of Lupin the Third, woman called Fujiko Mine. And I know we said not series. I would try to like have I would try to introduce Lupin with Fujiko Mine but at the same time I know it's like very much kind of like with Mamo it's very much pushing somebody into the deep end but I really do think that Fujiko Mine is a great installment into the Lupin series not just because it focuses on the main female the only female in the entire series but also it's the art style that I love so much about it the music um very much a shout out to um Lupin manga, not necessarily zany, cartoony Lupin. There is zany cartooniness in it, but it's very much focused on nitty gritty Lupin, which is yeah. which is very much something I enjoy and love. And this is why I have Fujiko Mine on on my list. Also because um, I love operas, and we all know which which episode I enjoy of that series. But other than that, if I try to get someone into Lupin, I do try to. At least after, like, I've already pushed them into Lupin. It's like, let me show you what this series has to offer. And then I pop in that first episode with that first, and with the first DVD. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, also, I feel like pointing out that thanks to uh, Reed Nelson translating it, we're not, not sure how to translate part of the uh, title. I will forever think of this as being Master Thief versus Lady Something or Other. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm just, that's what I forever associate the episode's title with in my head. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I agree with you. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's really, it's a fantastic introduction to both Lupin the Third and Fujiko Mine as characters. Yeah, that's something I forgot to add, but you, you are right, Chris, because yeah. um, it's, it very much does, I think that encapsulates the relationship more than part five did. Oh, absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and I, and I, I agree. And I say that because, like, I'm still, I mean, I love part five to an extent, but I'm still bitter about the constant what am I to you from both, from from the cast, from, you know, the core members. I'm just like, mm, didn't we get this answered in Women Called Fujiko Mine? So, <laughs> and also Mystery of Mamo. And also, yes, and also Mystery of Mamo, but I digress, so. And it's several episodes of part two. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we get it. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> this ground has been tread. Yeah, but they they felt the need to make fetch happen by having that as a core central storyline in part five. Like they, they honestly, they kept trying to make fetch happen with that, and it wasn't going to happen. And it just got irritating from the first moment Fujiko said, "When am I to you?" But again, mm-hmm. I digress. That was the, that was the best one too in part five was Fujiko's. Uh, I digress. I, 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 uh, I digress. <laughs> this isn't a part five analysis. <laughs> I, I I really like your choice because that first epi- that first episode of one called Fujiko Mine is uh, what episode four part one is for Lupin and Zenigata. That episode is yeah. for Lupin and Fujiko. Like again, I'm just re- I'm just pretty much repeating what you've all said. It encapsulates their relationship 
so perfectly. It's that it's the, it's that kind of like the romance, but then there's the one upmanship and the right the one one upmanship one upmanship and and the rivalry between Lupin and Fujiko. Like it, it's that really excellent balance. Is I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but there is a moment in it when they both like keep double cross. We're well, not even double crossing each other. Like they're both going after one object, and they keep just escalating both of their attempts <laughs> to claim that object and it never gets old i have watched that episode that's probably one of the episodes i rewatched the most because it has that nitty-grit to it like it has the, the nitty-gritty aspect to it but it doesn't forget to be a fun lupon caper and it's like a really yeah. excellent start to a series that does get a lot more darker and introspective and one big thing for sure if anyone does happen to use this as a springboard and watch porn called Fujiko Mine. Uh, numerous trigger warnings that I cannot yeah. even begin to get into, oh, but yeah. do, do some research on it. But it is an incredibly rewarding series. So that's an mm-hmm. excellent choice. Yeah. I remember uh, when I first watched the episode on, uh, I think on Keyhole TV, like I didn't even have, you know, subtitles at the time because I caught it like the day it premiered. And I remember thinking to myself at the end, it's like, that was very 60s, very sexy, very stylish, and I cannot wait to see more. (laughs) And especially after so many years of bland, cookie-cutter TV specials, we have something like this that comes in, gives the entire franchise an edge that it's been lacking Mm -hmm. since the 90s. Or you probably can go back even further. In, in like you know, there are more you know adult themes in this one episode in particular. You know, lots of nudity, a hallucinogenic drug is a central part. But yeah, it, it like it never feels pretentious or anything. It it's just these two characters meeting each other for the first time and having a whole lot of fun trying to screw each other over. Gotta <laughs> love that. Yeah, right? Oh yeah, oh, that's awesome. So yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree with everybody else. Natalie, that's a that's a fantastic choice. Thanks. Alrighty, so I guess I will transition to my second choice. This is in really no particular order. I just kind of did it chronologically. So my second choice is a uh, another uh, entry from Hayao Miyazaki. Don't. And that is part two, episode 145, The Wings of Death, Albatross. Nice. I don't have another Hey, great, great minds and whatnot, you know? God! <laughs> I'll just piggyback off yours. That'll work just fine. All right, so... What well, was this I, on your list, Emma? Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, one of Miyazaki's final contributions to the Lupin franchise, and in my opinion, it's his most exciting and fun entry into the whole series. You know, there's been shades of this episode in other series and particularly movies, but as it's been proven with the numerous times Cagliostro has been aped throughout the years, it's evident that no one can quite do it like Miyazaki did. A warmongering madman has taken to the skies in a mammoth aircraft with Fujiko in tow. Will Lupin, Jigen, and Zinagata be able to thwart him in time? One thing is certain. Fujiko sure as hell isn't the damsel that you think she is. And for me, you know, this episode highlights the uh, the epic scale of action and adventure that the Lupin series can reach. It's uh, But that being said, the bombastic set pieces never come at the expense of character. 
From the opening scene, you really got the gang's interplay established. They'll bicker often, but at the end of the day, as I mentioned with the Mamo uh, earlier, they've got each other's backs. And I think this episode kind of highlights that brilliantly. And plus, this episode's got Zenigata and especially Fujiko in top form, which is, I think, essential for newcomers to the series. Because it's not uncommon for them to have very unfortunate betrayals throughout the years, so it's always a breath of, a breath of fresh air. When they're, you know, when they're realized to their fullest potential. And all in all, it's a cinematic caper with plenty of wonderful character beats woven into the action. It's not like just spectacle for the sake of spectacle. You actually get like really fun. Like, what's the, I, I was trying to find a way to word this. It, it tells a story through the characters. Like, 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 like the, the characters dictate the action, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's, it's just, it is a brilliant episode of Lupin. And probably my second favorite episode in the whole series, or at least it's up there anyway. And also, you have you have Lupin going up against uh, Doctor Eggman. What's not to love? Exactly. Uh, obviously, by my reaction, this was on my list too. <laughs> uh, I wrote a Miyazaki director episode without the obvious addition of Kaliyoshiro. <laughs> 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 um. It was ranked number two by fans and uh, Loop on the Third Best Selection reruns as like overall episode. Everything that you said, Drew, obviously, uh, like Zenigata and Fujiko. Fujiko especially. Uh, mm. First of all, I love how she looks. Her with short hair. It's <laughs> great. Wonderful. Is not done enough. Same with like her ponytail look uh, that happens every now and then. Not done enough. And she just kicks ass the entire way. Um, and as somebody that recognizes that she has kind of gotten the shaft a few times, uh, in the series, it's very refreshing to see. I like cool bits of history. At one point, I know Lombach mentions restoring the German Dornier, uh, Doe X. Uh, the Albatross plane was based on this and only three models were ever built. Hmm. So... Nice. A little bit of history right there. And I agree, one of the best entries into the series and just one of the best episodes overall. Mm-hmm. And those are my thoughts on that. I feel like the best way to describe Fujiko in this is that she's a bare-ass badass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eloquently put. Thank you. I mean, what would you expect from the guy that put the ass in blasphemy? I mean... Yeah. Actually, same ass time I think about it. But I think about that enough. But yeah, I mean, I'm agreeing with both you guys. And, you know, Drew, you mentioned, uh, you know, that it's it feels like a cinematic experience. And I think the animation and direction goes a long way with that because it's like almost every frame of this episode is just jaw dropping. Like Mm -hmm. everything moves and. Especially the uh, aerial combat that goes on. Mm, oh man, it, and, it never gets old. It's so and, fun. And you know the slapstick's great too. Like, I think one of my favorite bits is uh, I want to say Jigen jumping into a plane and his feet just go like right through the bottom of it <laughs> because of how old and bad shaped the plane is. Also, when Senegata's like giving like or Jigen's like giving more bullets and Senegata's like I don't have anything and like Jigen just like puts the gun in his hand and lays back. <laughs> I love that so much. I'm like, great. 
I mean, you know, let's face it. We live for little character moments like that. That's what we're all about. Yes. It's, yes. it's beautiful. All right. Thanks a lot, Drew. You're welcome. Hey, thanks a lot for the part, part four episode. <laughs> 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 anyone else takes any else of mine that just means that we're all on the same length, a wavelength and we all have great opinions this means we're all smart yes yeah. I, I, I know I'm very smart I am S-M-R-T yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm smart <laughs> sorry <laughs> delayed laughter on my own fucking joke I do apologize alright so uh, next up for me is an episode from my favorite series, part two. And um, this one has two different titles because it was dubbed. The dub title is A Rumble Royal, while the Japanese title is To Whom Does Orion's Crown Belong? Oh, no. Okay, so, Chris, you legit just stole one of mine, too, now. I, I guess my list is done for. <laughs> well, was, honestly, this was actually one of the episodes that inspired the episode of this podcast because I remember watching it and it just... You know, like thing like, well, I'll get in that. So, at a black market auction, the gorgeously ornate Orion's crown is being sold by a mobster named Jaguar. Fujiko gets involved in the bidding, but the winner turns out to be Jaguar's friend Tatsumaki. Fujiko is not going to let this crown go, however, and Lupin's after it as well. But why are Jigen and Goemon working for Jaguar and Tatsumaki? This is one of my favorite part two episodes, not because it examines the characters or their relationships. Not because Lupin's taking out a supervillain. Not because it deconstructs the foundations of the series. But it's just a solid, fun story set entirely in the criminal underworld. Mm. There's, no, mm-hmm. you know, there's no heroes here. Jaguar, Tatsumaki, Lupin, Fujiko, Jigen, Goemon, they're all a bunch of criminal jackasses trying to screw each other over. And I love it. You know, it's nothing groundbreaking or revelatory. It's just an enjoyable ride with lots of laughs, especially in the dub. Like Lupin in the skies of the barber referring to Jigen as Mr. Lincoln. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, you also have Tony Oliver's Tarzan yell as Lupin goes swinging through a window. <laughs> that too. <laughs> uh, that dub, that dub is wonderful. Again, with the dub, this unfortunately because you know Jaguar is portrayed as Sikh um, in the story. Um, you know, the dubbing of it is just like, it's very dated in terms of the uh, Indian accent that they gave for Jaguar. But other than that, it was, um, it was a very well done part two episode. Um, I actually, like, recently, I traveled out of the country again. And I, in in thinking for this, for this, um, you know, starter kit, I wanted to include a part two episode, I just didn't know which one. And like I mentioned, my first part two episode, I feel like it was the Brazil episode, but that's still like a weird place to put people like, you know, like, in terms of an introduction for the series. Um, But as I kept watching part two episodes, both on the flight, and as I was like, doing my makeup or, or chilling in the hostel in Switzerland, I watched this episode and I thought, okay, this is very much a good place to put somebody if they've never watched Lupin. Like, if you've never watched Lupin, go ahead. Just, like, sit here, watch the shenanigans roll around. Because it's a very classic Lupin the Third episode when you have the whole gang just trying to <laughs> outscrew one another um, for this crown. But in reality, obviously, Jigen and Lupin are, I mean, Jigen and Goemon are working with Lupin, but it seems like they're not. So... <laughs> yeah, it's... It's wonderful. I, I'm just trying to the fact that there's 155 episodes of part two, and you picked one of the same ones I did. 
Again, we both we both are like from the classic Lupin the Third Part Two days, and and we all have taste. Yeah, but also again, I just love this one because of the dub. It's got some of the greatest dub lines, like when Jaguar hits uh, Lupin, and Fuji goes like, "I couldn't see what Jaguar did to you. Hey, what are those acupuncture?" And then he just opens it up, and the thing that saved him was the money he was trying to steal from Fuji. <laughs> You know, I don't think this counts as a spoiler, but there's this really, there's this understated background gag near the end when the police show up and the, you know, the black and white crashes into something. And we see that one of the officers has like gone through the windshield with like, <laughs> you know, this hilarious pose. And Zenigata just hops out of the car and pays no attention to them whatsoever. <laughs> It's not even there unless you're like really looking for it. It's just there's such a great you know background gag. It, it gets me every time. <laughs> and there's also a cute puppy in the end as well. So yeah, I was gonna I mention was about the, to add the, the dog. We have to mention the dog. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that the dog. The dog is so fucking good in it. But there is a there is a puppy in it. So yeah, now, automatically top tier because of the puppy. There you go. <laughs> And again, just the dialogue and the interactions, like, okay, Fujiko, I'll help you, but none of this 70-30 crap. No way, you can forget it, swim. <laughs> yeah, that's all I had to add was the cute puppy. So I'll, I'll go with my backup choice for this one, since they mean like best for last type thing. Mm-hmm. So my backup choice uh, is Lupin Still Burning, the OVA. Ooh. Nice. Uh, which I'm not sure if a lot of people like uh, thought of, uh, because like it's until like it was like it was dubbed recently. I feel like it was kind of inaccessible to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that it's been dubbed, um, definitely a lot easier to come by. Short enough, uh, so it's like not a movie or um, special length. Uh, I'm sorry, Natalie, it's not Pico. So. That is one of our OVA to watch uh, for entry point. It, it has part forward style and animation, which I feel is one of the best, if not the best. Um, mm-hmm. Brings back uh, part one the villains, uh, Kiyosuke Mamo. Um, is it Mr. X? Yeah, Mr. X. Yeah, yeah. Cal and um, Stone Man from part Stone two. Stone Man from, from part two. The Tickle Machine. It I wasn't guess. as explicit, I guess. Yeah, no, but- yeah. Which I mean, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, I know, like some people do. So maybe like that, like makes it a little less of like a good entry point. But to me, it those people just have never been to a BDSM club. And <laughs> I'm just gonna say that much because I've seen something equivalent to that or, at BDSM. Or club. You probably shouldn't just watch Lupin at that point. Um, <laughs> and it's like. Uh, it, it's an interesting take on a time travel and also like the impact of like if they, they didn't eat Lupin which is kind of like this plot of one of my favorite movies of all time uh, It's a Wonderful Life oh like, yeah 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 like mm-hmm. what it would be like if like George Bailey wasn't around what would it be like if Lupin wasn't around and you get to see the impact all the characters had on each other so, and just how important their relationship is. And I think Lupin says at the end, like, thanks for showing me what friendship really is. So 
like that really hit me like to the core. Um, and I, I just think like it's short and it's sweet. It's interesting. The dub is really good. It is better than the episode it's based on. <laughs> I will call this the original uh, multiverse of madness. No, I mean, <laughs> not original, but <laughs> this OVA is definitely Lupin's multiverse of madness. <laughs> I think I'm actually going to have to disagree with Emma on this one being a good starting point. I, I, I will disagree a little bit too, mainly because this kind of thrusts a newcomer into Lupin if they, and it leaves them a little bit confused because like, right. Who, because they won't have any context for any of the things that exactly. Is I mean, I'm on the fence on it. Like I think in some aspects it is a good introduction, but on, on most aspects it really isn't. But again, you know, different different strokes for different folks right. um i i just think it, it's an interesting place to be put in that's that's just my thing yeah no i i can see like and agree with that for sure that's why it like wasn't it was kind of like towards the end mm-hmm. of my list but i was like this would be like an interesting point to bring up Mm-hmm. Uh, the, like especially like with its storyline but like at the context yeah but i mean with lupon and a lot of things you don't have much context with a lot of the stuff you're being no, thrown but, into but for this ova though you definitely do <laughs> or yeah <laughs> you know, you're supposed to know about you know when you watch is lupon still burning you're you're expected to be familiar with the uh you know first episode of part one you know the whole thing with the race mr x the tickle machine and then, uh, you know, PyCal, uh, Kiosk, and like, I'm a sucker for time travel, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm just not seeing it as a good entry point. I mean, it's a great OVA. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I, I really enjoyed it, but I, I'm just. Yeah. As a well done OVA, it's a really well done OVA. Again, good. this is coming from the, the one idiot who likes Return of PyCal as an OVA, but yeah, I mean, I enjoy it. I just don't think it's a good starting point. I'll say one thing to its credit that I think would be beneficial for newcomers is that it also it, it kind of serves as a little guidepost as to hey go watch these episodes they're really good no yeah I like hey like hey go watch Paikau go watch Mamo but not not that Mamo uh, first Mamo time and, travel uh, Mamo <laughs> exactly and you know uh, the the combat Magnum scattered in the wasteland in particular like I I, I could see it being like yeah it, it piques the interest. Exactly, like, like, yeah. hey, if you're into these, go watch these episodes. They're really good. A good point. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, it's also, you know, like, I, I do feel what was interesting about dub, you know, the f- full context here. What is interesting about the licensing rights for Lupin the Third and how one of the ways a series was brought to the U.S. Um, with the Genion dub of Part Two, you got to understand the first episode of Lupin the Third Part Two starts off with the gang after five years from, you know, five years from part one, you know, they, they've done their own thing. Lupin asks them to like, Hey, let's get the band back together. And they get the band back together on a carnival like cruise ship that was made by Mr. X, which was a, um, you know, it was a shout out to the first episode of Lupin the third part one. If you've never watched Lupin the Third Part One and it was your first introduction to Lupin the Third from the dub standpoint, you're probably like me when I first watched it, thinking, "Who is this villain? And what was this thing that Lupin fucked up with?" 
it's also the same question I have with my favorite episode of part two, which is the op- the one that is based on Carmen, where Jigen falls in love with a flamenco dancer. And the villain in that one, Meyer, said that he used to, you know, he had a run in with Lupin and Lupin dismantled their drug operation. Okay, well, where is that episode that wasn't a part one episode? That was just something created within the storyline, but that confused the fuck out of me as a kid. Like, okay, where's this episode with, with the villain and beforehand? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> I mean, I will say this. It's probably, I mean, well, not probably. It is the best way to watch the story about, you know, Lupin racing in Mr. Gold's, you know, scheme. I'm not Mr. Gold, sorry. Mm-hmm. My favorite episode. Mr. X. Mr. Yeah, X, yeah. yeah. Because, oh God, that... That part one episode. Whew. Yeah. Natalie, do you have any backups? No, because I just said all my five. I mean, I would say that, like, I wanted to put Cagliostro on the list, but the problem with Cagliostro, this is just my caveat on it, is that um, it is a good introduction if you want to know animation history, particularly Miyazaki. My only my only concern with like trying to show it to someone who has never watched Lupin, because I've only done it once with a person and that was with Maria, is that you're not really encompassing, I feel personally, you're not really encompassing a Lupin story. You're encompassing someone else's take on Lupin, but not necessarily the Lupin that we really that we really know and love. You know what I mean? This isn't a dig on Cagliostro at all. I love Cagliostro. Cagliostro is probably one of my favorite Lupin films. And I can honestly say I watched it, you know, I've watched it. um, I watched it in Japanese. I watched all the other dubs. I watched it dubbed in French at a theater in a small town in Switzerland. Like that's how much I love this, this film, but I don't think it's on my choice anymore um, to introduce someone to the series because the first kind of pushed it aside, but also because I just don't think it's a good introduction to the character of Lupin. You want to show somebody um, Cagliostro in terms of animation history, do it. It's wonderful. It's great with kids. I just don't think it's a good starting place for Lupin Mm -hmm. unless somebody wants to add, they have that on their list. Well, I mean, you know, Cagliostro is not on my list, even though just like you, I adore that movie. In my opinion, it's Mm -hmm. the best movie in the entire franchise mm-hmm. however you know it's a good movie to show to somebody if you don't think that they're going to be into Lupin the third because it mm-hmm. works as its own standalone thing yeah yeah i agree however if you think that somebody will enjoy Lupin the third that's why you should go with our choices here because mm-hmm. the castle of Cagliostro features these characters being uh you know older and more mature if you're already familiar with this cast of you know characters i feel like you can appreciate more how different they are in Cagliostro. Yeah. Those differences are by design. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you just want, want a really great Miyazaki movie to show somebody, yeah, go with Cagliostro. If you mm-hmm. want somebody to loop on a third, show them Cagliostro, but after you show them all this other stuff first, so they get a feel of who the characters are. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, when I sh- that was Maria's introduction to Lupin, and that was only because um, throughout our early on in our relationship as best friends. You know, I told her I'm obsessed with Lupin the Third. I don't know if you would like the more nitty gritty or like cartoony Lupin, but I know you really love anime and I'm pretty sure you love Miyazaki. Would you like to watch the film that Miyazaki did before he started Ghibli? Like, ta-da. Yeah. And she loved it. Yeah. But she, but after years of being my best friend and watching Lupin with me, she knows that's not necessarily 
the character. It's a different take on the character, but it's not the character. And she appreciates it as a beautiful film. And in fact, she was with me and Guillaume as well when we went, when we watched it dubbed in French in Switzerland. So she's tagged along. She's tagged along with some of those adventures. <laughs> but yeah, there. I, my list is practically done. I only added the Cagliostro caveat because I have a feeling a lot of people who are listening to this are probably like, well, how come you're not recommending Cagliostro? I'm like, <laughs> well, oh, yeah. there's kind of a reason why. I have a feeling that even my close friends... Even Guillaume, whether or not he's going to input his own his own starter kit, would probably not add Cagliostro to it. But, you know, that's that's on me. Yeah, no, I agree. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess that brings us Drew, back what's your name? Drew? Yeah, so for my third pick, I have got uh, one more part two episode. And that is uh, just a few episodes removed from uh, Wings of Death Albatross. So my third <laughs> choice is... Episode 148 of part two, and that is the target is 555 meters away. And uh, so where Albatross Wings of Death is high on the action and the bombast, I said this episode is kind of a quieter, more tense affair, at least, you know, by part two standards, that is. Set up for this one's pretty simple. A diamond auction is set to be held in an observation tower and Lupin aims to snatch the loot, snatch up the loot inside. The catch? There's only one way up. Zinagata has the place surrounded, and Jigen has to make every single shot count in order to pull it off. I honestly, I'd argue that this might be the best heist episode, the best heist episode in the entire franchise. Yutaka Kaneko wrote the script, and uh, his script kind of really demonstrates just why these characters are so damn compelling together. They use their core strengths to help each other pull off a one in a million heist. You got Goemon's precision and steadfast determination, Jigen's godlike marksmanship, and Lupin's mischievous ability to think on his feet. I'll say it's kind of unfortunate that Fujiko is really absent from the affairs in this one, but nonetheless, it's still a showcase for the rest of the gang, and she was really badass in Albatross, so I'll, you know, I'll cut this episode some slack. And also, it's just a really lean, mean episode. It's got minimal setup that kind of makes... They get that out of the way real quick. To, you know, makes way for a heist that'll have you glued to the screen from start to finish. I'd say if you're just starting out with the series, you have to see the gang doing what they do best, stealing shit in the most exciting way possible. <laughs> good, good, good point on that last one. <laughs> it's it's just again I'm, I'm going to repeat myself, but it's such a lean episode where it's like there may be I think like two or three minutes of setup. And the whole thing's just the heist. And it is, it's, that episode never gets old and in fact gets more exciting every time. Yeah. It's, there's obviously a lot of silliness in it, but you've got these really kind of like, again, for a 24 minute, a 24 minute episode, you got these really atmospheric shots of Jigen like on the crane firing, trying to make every single shot count where the music just drops out. You just hear like the sounds of the dock and the wind and his rifle. It also has like a really moody opening too, if you, if, if you know what I'm talking about. Like it starts with, uh, I don't want to spoil it. It's Lupin and Jigen doing some target practice out in the field, like in the wee hours of the morning. And it's kind of quiet and atmospheric. You got like the wind blowing through the trees and everything. And it's like mm-hmm. a really quiet setup that leads to a really big but contained heist. It is, I'd say it's an essential episode for newcomers and just an essential episode in general. Good choice. I wouldn't have even thought about this one. Me neither. 
It's so good. I will say, I have seen this episode, but it's been years. So mm-hmm. I think I need to revisit it myself very soon. It's because so I remember enjoying it quite a bit. But I unfortunately don't have much more to add because it's been so long since I've seen it. <laughs> Yeah, you basically summed up all the thoughts I had on it. True, I, I wouldn't even have thought of it though. So, uh, good, good, good choice on that for sure. Thank you. Part two is so like so good, uh, but uh, unfortunately, Chris is probably gonna stab me in my sleep. There is a lot that's weak to it, so like you kind of have to sift through a lot of it. And I mean, there's like what, how many? One hundred fifty-five. Yeah. And these ones that you and I have brought up uh, are definitely at the later end. So you have to like get through all of that to yeah, get I to mean, these. So, but like once you do get to like these episodes that are just like incredible, it, it's such a treat. So it is, and you know, honestly, uh, you know, I do kind of agree with you because yeah, you know, part two is my favorite. But they did 155 episodes in a row on like a weekly basis, just you know, from sheer numbers. It's like there's going to be you know, you know, a good chunk that is hard to get through. Yeah. I, I swear when you mentioned weekly basis, I swear I saw Drew just like twitch. <laughs> I just felt <I> like And like just the mention of them like doing these episodes on a weekly basis. was a commitment. Like Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um mm. I mean Kudos to TMS Studios for how long they kept part two. You know, it's the longest out of any one of them. I mean, even recently, parts five and six didn't even last that long. Mm -hmm. Um, So there must have been something about it in the late 70s. You know, audiences were just audiences in Japan were just really craving for it. So, yeah, absolutely. Chris, what's your next? Uh, I have another part two episode in Japanese is known as Operation Missile Jack. Whereas the English dub is Payload. I love that episode. <laughs> a research center near San Jose, Costa Rica is sending $900 million. Hold on, there should be an A in there. Hold on. Is sending a $900 million shipment of diamonds to Puerto Rico via a missile over the Gulf of Mexico. After a failed attempt to steal the diamonds via convoy, Lubon and company head to the research center to hatch a plan to intercept the missile and steal the diamonds. This is based on a uh, chapter of uh, Monkey Punch's Shin Lupin manga. It's none of my favorite part two episodes because it's a high story through and through, but with plenty of that patented Monkey Punch weirdness with the uh, <laughs> Wily Coyote style, you know, interception yeah. you know, of the plan, mm-hmm. the chief of the research center having a pet tiger, some fun <laughs> interplay from Lupin and Fujiko with Zenigata, Jigen and Goemon having an, having an, an integral part to play that involves creative use of their respective skills. It's a fun little adventure, and I dare you to not smile at least once due to how wacky it is. <laughs> I will say what's funny about it, especially because that was one of the episodes that TMS's YouTube channel put um, yeah. for like their top 50 best Lupin yeah, yeah. episodes, and their fucking, um, their fucking thumbnail for it was the part where Fuchigo was like topless and they censored it. Oh yeah, no, I thought that was funny. I was like, Which was literally anything but that. Like like you could have put two crying Leonardo DiCaprio faces on her titties, but no, just that's a personal side joke. But anyways There's also the fact that they picked that shot to use as a thumbnail. 
Well, that, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That thumbnail perfectly encapsulates encapsulates um, what how wacky and zany and still very lupiny that episode is. Um, right. I, I think the reason why this was like a close second for me for a part two episode when I was rewatching them is because it's a classic heist episode. It's not a safe episode. Like I like safe episodes again, you know, you and I both agree that part five safe episode and the part six one take episode I'm talking to you, Chris are really good episodes, but you can only do so much with safes. Something like intercepting a pay intercepting a missile is very interesting. Not as wacky, but wacky hijinks and Sue. Yeah, yeah. Also that very um, animated tiger. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, like Tiger King is probably like, why couldn't I raise tigers to be like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's a very goofy looking tiger. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, like I said, the whole episode is based on a uh, manga chapter, so that, that probably explains a lot. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go with the one that was my fifth choice before I had to do a backup. So this will be my last. This one is totally self-indulgent. And for me, would just be like, just watch it because I said so. <laughs> it is the search for the queen's. It's the search for the queen's necklace. What episode? What season? It's are... the musical. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I was like, I I need to, I need to put it in here. I don't know why. It is just calling to me. So much. It is my favorite. I know we're not doing favorites, but I also do think it is a good entry point because it is crazy. (laughs) And still gets like captures the Lupin energy while being a musical. That's fun. It is also, in my opinion, the best piece of Lupin media to date. It is awesome. There's nothing to dislike about it. Uh, It deals with time travel um, and also deals with time travel back to the French Revolution. So Lupin is like having like kind of a relationship going on with Marie Antoinette. And also there is like kind of a happy spin on that period of time, which is welcomed. Um, So I would just show this to anybody even if they hadn't seen any part of it, because I'm like, you're sitting down and you're watching this, so we're going to have a good fucking time the next two hours. I just think it's just incredibly entertaining. Uh, All the actors were phenomenal. Uh, It's all-female cast. Um, They're great singers. They get all the characters down pat, uh, even like with Jigen's Walk. Uh, the Zenigata character is perfect, and it's just so fun. I watched it for the first time without subtitles, so I didn't really have any idea, clue what was going on. Could have like pick out like the story, and I still was like, I love this so much. I think it was just so fun uh, and so good, and has like the high points of like trying to steal. A necklace worth time travel, so Lupin wackiness too. So I think it has a lot of Lupin elements into being a musical, and I again think it's a better port, like a live action Lupin, than say like the 2014 uh, oh. movie. And, and I would actually even say maybe um, on par with uh, the 70s live action movie as well. So that's my oh. fifth choice. I am. St- 
sticking to it. Watch the search for the queen's necklace. It is awesome. <laughs> I admit I have not, but now I really want to. No, oh, yeah, same. I meant to ask before you said your 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 pick for your fifth choice. Like, is there a guillotine in this? But yeah. I was half close because it, it deals with the front. <laughs> it has a time travel aspect to the French Revolution. The it is shown. Yes. Either way, um, I, while I don't agree it's a good intro, I do agree with you as being a good choice, mainly because um, I do think that Lupin could not work as a live action film, and I've mentioned that already, but I do think it would work well as a musical, and the Takarazaka Review did a very good job of of doing it, you know, the all-female musical productions. I have seen their um, production of Sailor Moon, which was actually not bad. But um, the Lupin one perfectly encapsulates not just the characters, but also like character dynamics and also um, uses the medium of musical very well, has a lot of zaniness to it. And the plot is very much a out of out there Lupin plot that only Lupin could do and it could do it well. So that is a good choice. I just don't think it's my choice for an introduction, but it is a good choice. Yeah, I, I think it's just my thought. Like, like all those points, but I also think this is my choice because I just force people to watch it. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's great. Like what is what else do you need? <laughs> but I, I have yet to see it, but I really like your choice of including it because it kind of like highlights that Lupin isn't just restricted to animate because we're we're all picking animation, obviously. But like obviously, you know, Lupin's existed in many different mediums. Obviously, yeah. came from a manga. It's been animation. There has been one good live action film and one we don't talk about too much. Um, but there's also like video games. I know there's been like some just straight up novels in Japan, like yeah. adventure novels. And so like, I, I think it's really cool that you chose that because it kind of highlights like, you know, the reach of Lupin. Like it's not just animation, even though that's like the bread and butter. There's there's other cool little corners of the franchise that like it's nice to introduce people to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like the, so it's a I wide reaching thing. I didn't even like even think about that. I mean, like, I, I just love the musical so much. I didn't even think mm -hmm. like how like introducing it to another medium, um, and like not yet like just live action movie, but stage, which is completely mm -hmm. different too. So, yeah. I think I think it's a perfect choice for the for the starter kit, even though I haven't seen it myself. But again, I would like to. It sounds you know, your recommendation. That that's enough for me to want to see mm -hmm. it. But, <laughs> but you know, I mean, like, but stage is a completely different medium. Stage, you yeah. Know, someone, someone who watches a lot of musicals and opera, stage stories, stories told through stage, you have to have that suspension of disbelief, like with animation and cartoons. Yeah. So that's why it works. Whereas films try to rely on realism, and I didn't think it did it well with the 2014 film, which is why. God damn it, I will always ask for this. I want a Broadway Lupin the Third musical. <laughs> please, please. If we're going to adapt movies into musicals, Beetlejuice being a really good one, do it with Lupin. Just get Lupin out there, please, Lord. Do it. I'll, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. I'll do anything. <laughs> I'm also the mind, like, musical episode win. So, <laughs> like how Buffy the Vampire Slayer season six did a musical yes. episode? Tony okay. Oliver can sing. Constantly. I just want Lupin to sing superhero on his own, just like yeah, you know, exactly. While he's while he's thieving shit, just be like, I'm the one. 
that's all I've ever wanted. Just talking about superheroes. Like, I swear Lupin wrote those lyrics about himself. And I'm always <laughs> here, I'm actually singing it. That, that's my final choice uh, on the starter kit list. So, Drew, I believe you're up next. Yeah, I'm also on my final one since my last one was the part four episode. Here is my final that's- choice. That's all good. So, my final choice, I am. Gonna give some credit to a series that damn well deserves some. And I'm picking an episode from part three. And so the episode I picked for my last choice is episode 40 of part three, A Lotto Ticket to Riot. <laughs> so throughout its entire run, Lupin has featured incredible animations from legends such as Atsuko Tanaka, Kazuhide Tomonaga, Hiroyuki Emaishi. And that's just naming a tiny amount and doing a massive disservice to the large amounts of masterful animators who've worked on this series. It's in part three where I feel like the character designers and the key animators were really allowed to cut loose. And I think in the best possible way. And this episode is like a really excellent uh, showcase of that. It's a, it's, it's a relatively straightforward Lupin episode. The gang sets their sights on the fraudulent Tony Lucchino and his rig lottery. But first, they'll have to outsmart Lakino's outlandish security system. And it's just about as basic as that. But it's an episode that gives, I think, a hilarious taste of just how playful and inventive the animation in Lupine can really be. So Tatsuo Yanagino was uh, the main key animator for this episode. And his work in this is a wild slapstick delight. He's unafraid to go completely off-model for a great gag and it's really just i don't know it encapsulates the wacky visual variety that part three and lupon as a whole has to offer and i really think people should do themselves like a service and check it out because lupon is home to just some absolutely breathtaking animation and like sometimes that's animation like in the kuike movies where it's really expressive but it's got like that weight to it mm-hmm. kind of like 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 a gritty kind of grounded feel to it, whereas this one just goes like full Tex Avery in it. It's a shame that part three was maligned in the series for so long because I feel like a lot of newcomers, me included, were like of the opinion that like oh part three that's what everyone hates. Like like part three is the one that's picked on for being too weird and wild. That is the coward's opinion. I'm mm-hmm. just gonna say it. And I, think, I I I really think new sh- newcomers should do themselves. I really think they should give it a shot. It's because again, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but it's just how like how rubbery and expressive everyone is. And there's specifically, I don't want to spoil it too much, but there is a standout sequence where Lupin goes through a hallway. It's it, 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 it's a hallway to like you know the, the lottery machine. It's 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 a big security system pretty much, and it just goes absolutely buck wild and like his proportions just get all like like he gets like from one minute he's fully stretched out another minute he's like a little tiny bean with his butt on fire mm-hmm. it, it it it's just a real showcase of how funny lupon, lupon can be in both in both the writing and just the animation itself it's it's a really good one like i i had re- i had not seen this one yet and it was um, uh, IBCF on Twitter. 
had tweeted about a while back and his thread always stuck with me because he had like screen caps from it. I wanted to find that specific episode and it is, it, I have not finished all part three yet, but I think it's one of my favorite episodes and one that I think, I really think it'd be great for people starting out just to get a real sense of the visual variety in the franchise. So yeah. No, that that's a good pick, especially from part three. It's been several years since I gotten through part three i think like when i first started watching the series so about four years ago mm-hmm. and yeah this one this one is so cartoony like you said the little rubbery sense is really neat um mm-hmm. and, and i'm glad that you picked a part three episode for the same reason that you mentioned i, I think it's kind of ostracized it's like the red-headed stepchild uh, of the series, I feel, mm-hmm. and it's just so often pushed aside. Uh, people are like, "Oh, it's too weird animation." Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, "Yeah, whatever." Uh, he wears fucking pink. Um, that is, <laughs> and pulls it off. Um, just weird. Uh, this is during the '80s, and it's very '80s. Uh, it feels like almost like Vice City-ish uh, mm-hmm. in so many ways, like with the colors. Um, and, and I love that. It's so different. And I people are definitely doing a disservice when they don't pick up part three. And, and hearing you talk about this episode makes me really want to watch it again. So thank you for that. Yeah. It. Which I'm a big fan of the animator, uh, Aaron Long, who covered uh, a lot of his favorite episodes of part three on his blog several years back. Actually, it's like an entire decade ago. Wow. But the hallway bit you were talking about, Drew, Mm-hmm. The way he uh, he breaks it down here always stuck with me. He says, There's a long sequence where Lupin is trying to sneak into a heavily guarded area and then joined by Zenigata in a chase through the subway that's entirely animated by Ryuno, full of the weird posing and timing I've come to love about his style. The drawings become deliciously simple and distorted, as if Ryuno was taking just a few seconds to scribble down a loose gesture, practically animating the scene in real time. <laughs> You can tell he was animating straight ahead, completely focused on capturing the intensity and desperation as Lupin struggles to avoid being killed by the security systems. And, you know, having seen the episode for myself, that, yeah, it absolutely does feel like you're watching the work of an animator working in real time. It's like, I know it's not quiet, but <laughs> it definitely comes across yeah. that way. It's, mm-hmm. it's amazing to behold. It really is. Yeah, thanks for including part three, Drew. Much appreciated. Excellent choice. And that's all of mine. Well, speaking so Chris, of, you got one more? One yeah, more? Speaking of, speaking of part three, I went with Fire Doesn't Suit a Diamond. Uh, Lupin and company break into a vault of diamonds, which promptly burst into flames as part of a plot by the owner to drive at the price. Lupin's now out for revenge, as well as the remaining diamonds. There were a few part three episodes I was considering, Stuff like The Gold Beckons Lupin, The High Cost of Cloning, partly because of the name Dr. Budweiser, Operation Mother Mary Getaway, or The Golden Apple Has Its Poison, which I watched last night and I was laughing the whole way through. But no, I went with this one. I went with Fire Doesn't Suit a Diamond for multiple reasons. First off, the animation is marvelous. The bit that always sticks out in my mind is when the whole gang is descending stairs together and each one of them has a unique run cycle. You know, the opening heist is fun. Every character gets a moment to shine, even Goemon. You know, the Lupin gang are all working together. You know, there's no Fujiko double cross here. There's some amusing moments of humor and comedy 
the plot has a bunch of neat turns that almost make it feel like a 22-minute TV special. But the main reason is that, just like a Rumble Royal, it's just a solid episode about criminals doing crime. It doesn't reinvent the wheel, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's a standard episode for all the right reasons. <laughs> Good choice. I don't have anything to add. <laughs> I have not seen that one yet, and now I'm going to have to go home and watch it. Because that sounds great. Yeah, like I said, it's been so long since I delved into part three, uh, but hearing these two uh, really like talked about um, definitely makes me want to pick it up again, especially because it just seems so huh, lighthearted, which I need that right now. Mm. So part three, I think, would be a lot more fun. Yeah, it's yeah, it's something I realized while watching it last night. Is it's it's just a joy to watch. You know, it's you know, maybe yeah. I'm. Maybe it's still bitter coming off of part six, but man, you know, it's yeah, just, I, I need that. I need to, to feel that joy rather than seeing a active school shooting. Yeah, yeah. I could not agree more. Uh, Modern Lupin could really learn a thing or two from part three. Maybe not the character designs of uh, black people throughout the series. Maybe we can leave that behind. Yeah. But, um, yeah, definitely. But that, that that aside, like part three is wildly underappreciated. It and really I, is. It's just like, so fun. Like just like why the eighties are like one of the most fun decades. Like <laughs> Honestly, why why think, isn't it more appreciated? I do, I do think that the character designs are a big part, and I'll be perfectly mm-hmm. honest with you. Like the character designs for our main cast, they vary wildly, and a lot of times. They look kind of ugly, but you also get that trade-off that when the characters look ugly, the animation is better. And I think mm-hmm. that's a lot of trade, you know. Oh yeah, same. I, I was actually going through the liner notes after I rewatched uh, the episode I picked again last night, and it was uh, I'm kind of condensing it here, but Yuzo Aoki wanted to start out the series kind of harkening back to that part one, like kind of more mature stories with more consistent character designs. As it went on, he kind of wanted it to have, he was wondering what like a creative voice of his own would be. He was also kind of stretched them making like working on Babylon. So the ethos for part three pretty much became like whatever team is working on this, they've got control of the character designs. He's like, it was very freeing for him. He's like, I just looked at the, the, the concept art and storyboards commented, but it's, it, it's so creatively diverse in it. Where yeah. like one episode, the character designs could be like very structured, really straightforward. And the next one is a lot of ticket to riot. where like Lupin's warping through a hallway. I don't know. It's just a very rewarding series in return to just the art and animation in general, because you never know like quite what you're going to get with a given episode. And it gets, it feels like it gets progressively wackier as it goes along, Absolutely, which I really appreciate. I don't know. Modern Lupin could, could, could learn a thing or two from part three. If you ask. Yeah, absolutely. As usual, it's not just the four of us participating in this uh, little exercise. Our good friend from Switzerland, Will, has, uh, albeit separately from the rest of us, recorded his own starter kit.
Greetings, Lupontic folks. Long time no speak. I apologize for my long absence. This semester turned out to be way busier than I thought. But back to the matter at hand. My co-hosts have delighted you with their starter kit list, and it is time for me to baffle you with mine. I like to play the contrarian sometimes, as my taste can be quite particular. But I'm not doing it for controversy's sake. My own list comes from the heart. My first entry is, perhaps expectedly, Mystery of Marmo from 1979. Since at least two of my co-hosts already talked about it, I would not dwell too much on it, but suffice to say this animated film is the quintessential Lupin story for me. One that manages to keep most of the ingredients from the original manga while giving it a much bigger scope. Fujiko is the main love interest, Mamo has become the most iconic antagonist of the whole franchise, and the movie exudes artistry and style. Plus, movie buffs like me will surely enjoy the film references from Spielberg to Palma and others. My second pick will be more questionable though. My philosophy for this list was to introduce the new viewers to almost each character of the franchise. As Mamo is the perfect Lupin and Fujiko story, at least for me, my second pick is Ishikawa Goemon's Blood Spray by Takeshi Koike from 2017. The second entry in what we ended up calling the Koike-verse might be a strange choice to some. It's moody, hard-boiled and very gory for Lupin standards. But at the same time, it's relatively self-contained, beautifully animated, and it gives Goemon center stage. Our beloved samurai is one of the most underused and underwritten characters of the whole bunch, as is often depicted as nothing more than a stoic muscle. But here, in Bloodspray, Goemon is given a character arc, from the overconfident bodyguard to a forsaken and defeated pariah, until the climax where he becomes the best version of himself. This transformation is sparked by Hawk, the Bermuda Ghost, one of the best Lupin villains of recent years, with his blonde beard, his size, his jaws-inspired metal teeth, and his quiet destructiveness. This mountain of a man is the perfect antithesis to Goemon, especially since Hawk shows many American traits, looking like a giant Chuck Norris with a cowboy hat and cigar. In a way, the conflict between Goemon and Hawk represents the two aspects of the franchise, Western influence and Japanese origins. For all these reasons, Bloodspray is in my top 10 and this starter pack. My third entry introduces our new viewer to the TV special format. All the fans remember the TV special era as one of stagnation, where we would get more or less the same story every year with just about average animation and little to no risk taking. But that hasn't always been the case. In the early to mid-90s, TV specials were often different, even stylistically, and trying to shake things up. Such is the case for Voyage to Danger by Masaki Osumi from 1993. Here, Inspector Zenigata is taken off the Lupin case and his replacement is a G.I. Joe-looking mofo, over-muscled and way too gun-happy. Pops decides to join Lupin's side while the gang is approaching a smarmy arms dealer to rob him. 
Jigen's past catches up on him as the daughter of a man he killed is joining the adventure. In this special, where the characters often talk about the time passing, there is a sense of nostalgia and world weariness. Times are a-changing and our characters must defend themselves in this post-Cold War landscape. Zenigata's way of life is altered and Jigen is faced with the consequences of his actions, in tragic proportions. We are used to that trope, but here, this might be the first time we truly get the weight on Jigen's shoulders. Yasuo Yamada is showing his age in his Lupin delivery, but it doesn't impair the film. On the contrary, it makes the point come across even more viscerally. And Claude is a wonderful antagonist, close in manners to Mamo, but with a callousness that feels both relevant and scary. This special feels very 90s in the best way possible, and the ending song, Destiny, is one of my all-time favorite. On top of all of that, it's Masaki Osumi's return to the franchise after his departure from part 1. And you can feel his trademark while still recognizing our characters. The fourth entry in my list has also been mentioned by my colleagues, but I cannot praise it enough. It's Desperate Prison Break from part 1. Not only is this episode directly lifted from the manga, and has been remade several times since, but its origins can be found in Maurice Leblanc's original novels, where Arsène Lupin manages to convince a jury he isn't the gentleman thief, but a hobo that took his place, only to reveal the whole thing to Inspector Ganimard after he's been freed from prison. To me, this episode shows Lupin's most powerful weapon, his intellect. Like the original Arsène, Lupin is an actual genius, even though he doesn't act like it. He can plan ahead for a variety of scenarios to the point that arresting him is only giving him more power over the situation. Lupin can play with people's minds as easily than with locks and traps, making people act the way he wants them to. The episode also features that strange melancholy added by Masaki Osumi and it actually works in the episode's favor, making the viewer fall for Lupin's antics just like Zenigata does. Finally, for my last and most controversial entry, I decided to open some old fandom wounds. Ladies and gentlemen, I am talking about the 2008 OVA Green vs. Red. <laughs> Yes, I went there. Now, I know what you're thinking. How could you suggest a new viewer to one of the most perplexing, convoluted and unfocused stories of the whole franchise? A story that references a lot of previous entries. Wouldn't that be the worst possible way to introduce someone to the franchise? To this, I'll reply that I know it worked on at least one new viewer. Mainly, me. As some of you know, I first heard of Lupin III when the first Detective Conan crossover was announced in 2009. I was intrigued, and so I roamed the World Wide Web seeking anything Lupin related to get ready for the showdown. I've seen many TV specials, Cagliostro, Mamo, some episodes from the first three series, and Green vs. Red. So I had a minor baggage, but the franchise still felt very new to me and I was hooked. Thanks to this OVA, I understood how Lupin transitioned from a semi-historical character to a moniker, a symbol, a mental. 
an idea. I've always liked the idea of identities as roles and masks, and Yasuo's attempt at becoming the real Lupin strangely resonated with the awkward teenager I was at the time. Yasuo will eventually reach his goal, but by doing so, he leaves his normal life and girlfriend behind. Inspector Zenigata provides necessary gravitas, and we understand how much Lupin means to him as well. Plus, he seems to be revered by the police force, giving him an iconic status himself. Jigen and Goemon might be secondary, but provide strong action scenes, and Fujiko is her usual ambivalent self. The references might go over your head, the storyline might be paper thin, but that's not the point. This OVA shows us that Lupin is both less and more than a character. Again, he's an idea. And ideas don't die easy. When you finish watching Green vs Red, I want you asking for more, just like when you read the first comic book without knowing anything about continuity and retcons. My starter pack might be a bit strange, with some entries hard to get into, but I truly believe we should relearn to take some risk with art, fiction and entertainment. Let fiction challenge you. Let it surprise you and disturb you. Your horizons will then be made much wider. And if you don't like it, don't worry. As I said once, just look for it and you will find your Lupin. Thank you for that, Will. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> and he seriously teleported to be with us. Oh Welcome, God. Guillaume. Thank you. Thank you for having me uh, through dimensions in space. Yes. And, to, and to quote the Spongebob meme, because I literally drew on my fingers with an eyeliner, the gang's all here. <laughs> <laughs> Guillaume, you son of a bitch, you sold me on green versus red. You did the impossible. Yeah, I questioned that one, but it's okay. <laughs> it makes sense, and I hate it. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I respect it. Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> it's like, I get it. I don't like that I get it, but I get it. <laughs> Thank you. That's a huge compliment. And I think that's my greatest accomplishment in this podcast, which is saying something. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's what we got for you tonight, folks. To review the official and already quite controversial Vibrance and Figures Loop on the Third Starter Kit consists of 1978 feature film, The Mystery of Mama. Part 1's finale, The Big Gold Showdown. The 2019 film, Lupin III, the movie The First. The first episode of Women Call Fujiko Mine, Master Thief vs. Lady Looter. 2017's Lupin III, Goemon's Blot Spray. One Chance for a Prison Break from Part 1. Part 2's The Target is 555 meters away. The 2002 TV special, Episode 0, First Contact. To Whom Does Orion's Crown Belong from Part 2. Part 4's opener, The Wedding of Lupin III. The Part 5 OVA is Lupin Still Burning. 1993's TV special, Voyage to Danger. Operation Misslejack from Part 2. Part 3's A Lotto Ticket to Riot. Part 2, Albatross Wings of Death. Fire Doesn't Suit a Diamond from Part 3. Takarazuka Reviews 2015 Musical in Search of the Queen's Necklace. 2008's OVA, Green vs. Red. Save, save the most controversial for last. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, we feel that that's everything you need to get started with Lupin the Third. Where to go next? 
Well, that's up to you. Though, if you do want some guidance, maybe we'll do a Lupin Third Intermediate Kit someday. But until then, Drew, tell us what we got up our jacket sleeve for next time. All right, so next time we will be we will be covering the most recent TV special, Prison of the Past. Both its Japanese <laughs> release and the brand new, well, I say brand new, it released digitally a while back, but it's on the Blu-ray. The brand new English dub. So I actually, I'm actually quite excited to cover this one. I, I got it in the mail recently, and I've only watched it uh, when it first aired, and now that has been three years ago. <laughs> three years ago. I joke because I'm such an opera nerd, so this, so I'm going to geek out a lot because this is literally Lupin the Third does uh, Beethoven's only opera, Fidelio. So watch me, nerd. And, and then after that, we will thank God finally be getting back to part one. And as a matter of fact, we won't just be jumping into episode ten, Target the Cash Counterfeiter, um, uh, with Emma being our new co-host, and with uh, an entire English dub of part one released in the uh, interim between our last review and uh, our upcoming one. We'll be doing a uh, a little part one recap of episodes one through nine, both the Japanese and the English dub version. Uh, just kind of like see if we got any additional thoughts on it, and give some thoughts on the English dub. Hmm. So. I am very much looking forward to being back at part one. Please, I need, I need it. So are we. You, you need that sweet, sweet part one drug. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. And with that, I believe that just about wraps it up. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. Furball and my webcomics at weirdinacan.com and drawocoward.com. I'm assuming you know where to find this podcast since you're listening to it. But if you need help, we're on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, where can we find you folks at? Okay, um, I guess you can find me on Twitter at Capley Helsing, C-A-P-L-I-H-E-L-L-S-I-N-G, where I post, repost a lot of stupid shit. Same with Instagram, at Captain, C-A-P-T-A-I-N-L-I-H-E-L-L-S-I-N-G. Be on the lookout for my first opera video essay coming out pretty soon on mozart's don giovanni because i just saw it recently so yeah i just finished the script so i'm going to be filming soon so i'm excited for that great guillaume since you're here where can we find you well uh mostly in my room but you can also find me <laughs> on twitter at william barbe b-a-b-e-y uh on divot art as shin red deer s-h-i-n-r-e-d-d-e-a-r and you can even commission me on my coffee account under Shin Red Deer. Yee. And you, Emma, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at EmmaWolf227, E-M-M-A-W-O-L-F-E-227. Posts a lot of random shit. Um, basically, <laughs> stream of my mind, uh, which can be kind of terrifying at times. And overall sauciness. You can also follow me on Instagram at E-M-W-O-L-F-E-227, where I post a lot of my cosplay. I do have an Etsy shop as well. So just search any type of fandom soap, probably Lupin and Soap, and you'll find me. Uh, Wicked Clean Creations. So, Drew, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at DrewHunter15. That's D-R-E-W-H-U-N-T-E-R-1-5. Uh, you'll find me posting about uh, anime, films, and me rediscovering, or not, but me discovering that I actually like Part 5 a little more than I thought I did. More on that to come. 
<laughs> it has been a journey. <laughs> it's been an odyssey. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> discoveries. Hey. Ooh. <laughs> and you can find uh, our podcast on Twitter at LupinPod. That's L-U-P-I-N-P-O-D. You can find us on Instagram at the same at. I knew I was forgetting one or two. <laughs> Big uh, thank you to uh, everyone who quote tweeted our announcement of this episode and decided to give their own uh, counter recommendations. Boy, that sure was helpful. <laughs> uh, are you going to be that petty? No, no, no. Yes, I, 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 yes, I am. I, 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 I am. I am. This is, this is only a fun episode of fun recommendations for newcomers to the series. I, I, you know, jokes aside, again, like, I get everyone has their own opinions or their own, like, their own ways to introduce people to the fandom. Exactly. We we do this podcast for fun. We're just a bu- we're just a bunch of close friends that love Lupin, and we're just giving our input. You don't exactly. have to do it. You don't have to. You don't even have to listen to us. But thank you if you do and Indeed. enjoy it. Yeah, but do watch the 2015 musical. So <laughs> that we demand. If I didn't make it abundantly clear, <laughs> I mean our choices are our own, but we said it better. Agreed. <laughs> Ah. I mean, come on, like, how how else can you eloquently say that the musical is a good introduction without I cer- I certainly grabbing friend friends? <laughs> or make a case for bringing friends friend of all things. I know, like, god damn it, Guillaume. <laughs> I love it. And so with that, until next time, may your sideburns always be groovy and may Interpol never catch up with you. Toodles. Hey, Lopante, folks. Good night. ない。バイ。バカ。バラオ。愛する。苦しみ。優しく抱きしめて。くれと。メダル。Sabi shiku, doi kakeru.